on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about differences, disagreements, and conflict in the workplace. Go figure. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer, and Kirsten Barron is on the road today. So we're going to call her up in just a second to talk about ease, meaning, and joy for women at work, and how differences disagreements, and conflict can sometimes make work harder, and hopefully figuring out how to navigate those things can make work easier. So let's give Kirsten a call, dialing her up. Hey, Kirsten. Karina, hello. (laughs) Well, I was just letting our listeners know that you are on the road. I'm on the road. And we are recording an episode about uh, differences, disagreements, and conflict. Go figure. Here we are. I have to tell you, I feel like Cheryl Strait calling in. I know. Welcome. It's our new remote podcasting (laughs) situation. (laughs) That was so fun talking to Cheryl, by the way. Oh, my gosh. She is. I mean, of course, she, you know, you know, she's amazing. And then you talk to her and She's just, a, we're just really lucky to have her on the planet. That's for sure. Exactly. And I know uh, based on all of the feedback we got from listeners, folks really love that show. So I can't wait. Who knows? We may have another special guest, but right now it's you calling in. Right now it's me. I'm the special guest calling in. <laughs> so what do you see? From in, the road. What are you seeing from the road, KB? So uh, this has been so, you know, it has been the pandemic, right? And there was just this impetus that I had, this desire to just like move, to go somewhere, to do something. So my husband and I got in the car and we started driving and we drove through Oregon and in and out of Nevada and and Arizona and California. And it is a lot of land. (laughs) Yes, There are huge stretches where there's nobody. There's nobody. There's no service. There's no gas station. And to this episode, when I'm in when I'm in Bellingham, I don't see many Trump pen signs. And driving down here, you know, I'm like, wow, there's lots of people that just love those two. Yeah, it's different. It's interesting to kind of drive around these United States and see. Talk to folks in the grocery store, see them in their, you know, front yards, drive past them in the towns. Yes. And recognize that we live in a little bit of a bubble where we live. We don't have a lot. of, But you know what? So do they. Yeah. They also live in a bubble. But what I noticed was we're all doing the same things. We're getting gas. We're going to the grocery store. We're taking care of kids. Even though I noticed those differences... I certainly noticed the the commonalities, like where are we common? Where is our humanness shared? And so, okay, October is Conflict Resolution Month. Yep, just wrapped that up. When this episode comes out, it will be right after the election. Yep. And while we're not going to talk like a ton about politics, we are going to talk about differences, disagreements, and conflict in the workplace. It's just these things were a big motivator for that. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting because, like you just said, we have so many differences as a society. I mean, that's one of the beauties about the United States. America. Mm-hmm. Right, is that we have different ideas, different ideals, that we allow for differences of opinion, that there is diversity of ideas and ideals. And one of the places where we see that kind of play out is obviously at work. 
and figuring out how to navigate everything from different political ideas to differences on how to sort of tackle a project really does make the workplace experience more, what, easy, meaningful, joyous? That's it. That's what we want. The three magic words. Yeah. So when you think about types of differences or types of conflict in the workplace, what comes to mind for you? So you called out one of the big ones, which is how people work, you know, whether or not somebody is introverted, extroverted, whether they're task focused, whether they're idea focused, whether they're a promoter, whether they're a, a, a do whatever it is, there's all these different personality types. So that's a big one, I think. You know, I just, oh, sorry not to interrupt. But I just came across uh, one last night. I was facilitating a meeting and it was a lot of talking. It was two hours of verbal presentations. And someone kind of said, time out. If we do this again, can I have something to look at? Like even just how we process information. Mm-hmm. That's a really good example. Is different. Yeah. Yep. And then, of course, we just bring different things to the workplace besides that, like generational differences, you know, people who are in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s. And there are a lot of people in the workplace now that are in their 70s. That was not true when I first started my legal career, but it certainly is now. Do you think that people are working just later in life? They're working longer and there's broader Mm -hmm. generational differences than there used to be, I think. Education levels, that can create difference you know, experiences. Yeah. I know I was talking to a young woman about this episode and she mentioned that she's shy. Oh yeah. And, and she worked at a place where it was, you know, in a service industry job and she was shy and she realized that that impacted her friendships at work. And then it also impacted her, yeah, like whether she got more shifts or whether she was, how she participated, how she participated, how she was promoted. Which is interesting because we talked about this very subject not not just with our friends and family. We talked about this subject with our second ever focus group. Our rocking group of listeners who had so much amazing information and feedback and experiences and stories on their experiences with differences, disagreements, and conflicts in the workplace. They were amazing. Yeah, and uh, just so, just a little shout out to those women who joined us and also for anyone who wants to engage with us. Periodically, we put out on social media that we want to talk to listeners about an upcoming subject or topic. So the women that we will reference throughout the show responded to our request and sat down on Zoom with us on a, with a cocktail and chatted us up about this very thing. What I found interesting was when we, we asked them to talk about what worries them most, what conflicts worry them most in the workplace. And one woman really talked about just communication style. Like, she worries most about when people come at her in a real direct and brusque fashion. Like, it just, it shuts her down. She feels like she can't participate. Almost, and I think there's an aggressiveness to it. I got the sense that if you come to her, I I got the sense that it's like, direct is fine, but if you're abrupt and direct, aggressive and direct, or whatever, it really shuts her down. Yeah. I also recall another woman said when there's unpredictable expectations around like sort of what am I supposed to do? What are the limits here? What are the, you know, expectations? So when you and I started conceptualizing the show, we were focusing kind of on those larger differences that we're seeing play out in the community. And I was really surprised at how impacted these women were. By these other kinds of differences, just in how you 
live in the world. One of the participants talked about she did not like unpredictable expectations. Like she didn't like it when there was not clarity around what we, what's our, what's our culture around sharing emotions, sharing opinions, sharing perspectives. Do we talk about that we went to church on Sunday in the workplace or is that a no-no? Which I completely understand because then that just sets you up for conflict. Right. Right. What can I talk about? I know. And, you know, we can probably all guess why you want to figure out how to navigate differences and conflict and disagreements in the workplace. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to feel conflict. It's tough to be in a situation. Cross with people. Yeah. It's tough to be cross with people. We are tribal. Things are easier when we get along. We can devote our energy to moving the ball forward, so to speak. And conflict really gets in the way of all of that. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And because conflict also impacts our relationships and our ability to form those relationships. Yeah. And we know from our studies, because we like to do our research. Because we love our studies. I don't know why we had to uh, have a little accent in there. when we, My sister and I were actually talking about how certain accents make things funnier. So I'm just going to, anyway, research. I like to be a Southern person when I talk about research, apparently. Oh, that's funny. I would not choose that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Interesting. I know. Interesting. Exactly. Anyway, back to research. Okay, research. So Dunbar and Dunbar, and uh, a study back in 98, suggested that when individuals experience a social pain or that their relationships aren't, aren't positive, we know this, that it makes them feel isolated, and then that registers in the same part of the brain as physical pain. And we talk, we to, talk about this all that we, this is one of our favorite studies about I know. recognizing what really negatively impacts in the workplace. Dunbar and Dunbar, don't forget about Dunbar. I know. We like to repeat ourselves for the... I know. We just like to recycle the same shit over and over. It's a a good study. I know. That was so interesting. And so then conversely, right? So like if you're having conflict and then you start getting iced out or if you're you're kind of the other or if you have disagreements, then it starts to hurt. It actually Mm -hmm. hurts. Mm -hmm. And then conversely... You know, more studies have, you know, sort of proven the opposite, that when your workplace has cooperation and trust and fairness, that reward center of the brain is activated, which sort of also builds on itself. That was my and then when you uh, then when you have these positive relationships with people, there's spillover, right? So if you're talking to somebody at the coffee machine about what you did this weekend or whatever, it's quite possible that those relationships will lead to spillover of experience or skills and that you'll be sharing more about, you know, the the history you have with the company and what you know about it, how you do your job. And so all of those positive interactions have spillover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. again, on the flip side of that, if you don't, Oh my gosh. So I just want to say before we get kind of into this idea of what we know about conflict is I really want people to try and when they are in conflict, to take a deep breath and remember there's a great opportunity here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, so before we kind of start about on started on like the mess of conflict, it's helpful if you can just take a deep breath and say, oh my, we are at something really important. We only have conflict because something really important is going on. Otherwise, we wouldn't care. Yeah, that is interesting because when you were just saying that, I was thinking, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm just going to let her go and then I'll (laughs) respond. 
which is why this works so well. Which is why, Karina, this works so, so well. Yeah, because I just stare at you blankly. <laughs> no, but now I'm realizing what you said I, is true. You don't have conflict about stuff you don't care about. You have conflict about stuff that you really care about. So when you're feeling that, when there's a disagreement, when there's a difference, you know, when there's that sort of rough or not roughness, but scratchiness, I guess yes. I'll say. Yeah. It's because there's some, there's something that me, it's, yeah, there's, it, we care. You might not be arguing about the right thing. I'll say that. I find that sometimes. Oh, yeah, story in my, my life. Closer you relationships, about last night? more likely with my husband. But there's something, <laughs> I just want to say there's something important there. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I so let's talk about drop that. Drop the let's mic, Kirsten. That was a cute. I said drop the mic. That was a good one. Oh, drop the mic. Bam. <laughs> So let's talk about, you know, I love brain on conflict. Yeah. I mean, right? Like, it, it is interesting, though. Okay, so if I'm feeling something, if I'm feeling conflict, I'm, like, obviously that means what you just said. It's a big deal. It's because I care about something. So what happens to your brain? So you just, I just love our brains. I just love, love, love our brains. So when you are in conflict... It is, there's a wonderful article that we'll post in the show notes called The Impact of Brain Science on Conflict and Its Resolution. And I'm going to call out a couple of things from that article because I think it's a really good summary of what, of what happens. So there's a battle between your reason and your emotion, right? So those two things are battling in your brain. You have disappointment, loss, grief, fear, betrayal, injustice, something that you care about has been challenged. Right. That's what you just said. Yep. 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 And you hear things like, I'm so angry, I can't think straight. Yeah. Right? That's exactly what it is. Or is all I can do is cry. Oh, I know. Right? Yeah. Or get, get really angry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this wasn't part of this article, but it was in a different one. I saw a man who kind of talked about how the brain is almost like a closed fist. And if you could picture that if you open up your hand and you picture sort of in the palm of your hand, place your thumb. And that is sort of your reptilian amygdala. brain. Yeah. Is that the, are you talking about the amygdala? Yeah, I think so. It's sort of the most basic, basic. part of your brain. Yeah. yeah. So the amygdala, right? Where certain, th- like where you're not, where emotion takes over, where you are, that is where just like, you know, that your fight or flight happens. And then if you close your fingers over your thumb to make that fist, that's sort of your higher brain the higher level brain, where your rational thought can happen. Well, when you're in conflict, you literally flip your lid. You liter- Your hand literally opens up, leaving your thumb kind of tucked under there, and you respond. It's all exposed for it's everybody all- to see that's- all your shit. That's right. And so he was, you know, he's like, you got to think of that. You know, you have to, like, close the fist again. You have to, like, bring yourself back down. You have to get, you know, you if you're only responding with your amygdala, then you're just in, you're in the, trouble. You're going to start punching. And I love the way, I love the image of this, is that when you get angry or upset or disappointed, the brain releases cortisol, adrenaline, and testosterone, which flood your amygdala and just let it go wild, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like wild amygdala juice. And what we know <laughs> is that you love the wild amygdala juice. I love that. And then, 
what we know is that when you feel heard and acknowledged, that that kind of experience causes serotonin, oxytocin, and dopamine, all the wonderful, wonderful, juicy, sweet hormones to flood your brain, which allows those higher functioning, as you described it, kind of the fingers coming over the thumb to create the fist again, to put your brain back together. So when I'm, when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about my own experiences in conflict, but I'm realizing that the way I approach the people I'm potentially having conflict with can either flood their system with yes. adrenaline and what, cortisol, what, cortisol and testosterone, and testosterone. All the crank up, all the crank ups. Yeah. Or I can make them feel good and calm and give them the, the sweetness. That's an interesting kind of revelation for me that my, because I'm usually just like, you know, because you want to get it done because I want to get it done. And also I, I think I'm kind of quick to that fight. I'm quick. Like my, my brain is quick to the testosterone adrenaline. And so I just come, I charge. So hmm, interesting. So our focus group participants also talked about kind of what happens to them when they're in conflict, when they have a problem. And I think a lot of times, like you said, you know, some people said, I just kind of shut down. Yeah. I just start crying. Mm -hmm. I get quiet. Somebody said, I get quiet. I loved that one, which I think, well, that's a pretty effective tool. Just get quiet and listen. Yeah. The response was that. So can I read the Aristotle quote? Yes, of course. I know how much you love quotes. You know I love Aristotle. And I just think this is a good time before we kind of go into strategies. Like we've just kind of looked at this and then we can kind of get into some strategies and experiences. So Aristotle, 2,000 years ago, anybody can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way that is not within everybody's power, and that is not easy. <laughs> right. You know, sometimes you read this stuff 2,000 years ago, and you're like, right on, dude. It's exactly it. Because, you know, anger is not bad. It is not a bad thing. Like, no. I don't want to vilify anger because it's really good. But this just points out, it's like, it's like hot sauce. You got to be careful. Well, yeah. And like you said, anger is not bad. Conflict is not bad. Disagreements are not bad. Differences are what make the world go around. It's like what you just said, you know, you're driving around realizing of all the differences in this, you know, in these United States, and people are still lovely human beings on some level. But I say on some level, I didn't mean to clarify that they're still lovely human beings, human beings, period. And And according we're to, all a work in progress, Karina. Yes. We're a work in progress. Oh my man. God, some more than others. And so I speak for myself. But what Aristotle is saying is anger is not bad, conflict is not bad. But in order to do it well, it needs to be with the right person at the right degree, the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way. And how, when we feel confronted, when we feel we have to do an episode on anger, by the way. P.S. Yeah, let's do it. Because that would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Let's make that happen. Let's but, make anger happen. <laughs> yeah, no problem. That's the key. So to go back to the Aristotle quote, the key to the, all of this is figuring out how to manage yourself, your emotions, your brain, 
so that you're angry or disagree, so that these disagreements don't lead to the wrong person, the wrong degree, the wrong way, the wrong focus or what whatnot. And how do you do that? Really, how do you do that, Kirsten? I mean, you said take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Well, we kind of we kind of asked our fabulous focus group that question. We asked those wonderful women examples of when they handled a conflict either relatively well or relatively poorly. And one of the listeners said that she engaged in a conflict recently with a coworker, and that conflict caused her to flex her communication style to communicate in a different way. And I think that goes back to what you were saying before. It's how is it that I can behave that allows the person I'm in conflict with to experience the serotonin, the oxytocin, the dopamine. And so what was great about that was I think that's what she was actually doing. She was communicating with her coworker in a way that was not usual for her, that was new for her, that she was trying out, that allowed her to engage with her coworker in a way that caused him to have a positive response as opposed to more testosterone, more more cortisol, more adrenaline. So Yeah, and this is a woman who is in HR for a large company. Yeah. So she's dealing with this a lot, right? Mm -hmm. She's made a lot of conflict. She's seen conflict a lot. I do love that too, because it's kind of what I was saying earlier too. Like that's the trick. That's one of the tricks is being so be in control of yourself to the degree that you can start to control the situation. Another listener that I really appreciate, this goes back to this whole idea that we talked about in the beginning of expectations. So uh, one of the other participants in the focus group talked about when she does not establish agreements with her clients, she tends to get into conflict. And not that it's like a big blow up conflict, but to have more conflict. She said, when I am very clear about processes, policies, procedures, and all of that stuff on the upfront, everything goes way more smoothly. And I have found that when I am in conflict, it's because I have not been clear. So getting clear about what your agreements are. And I think two people in our focus group, that was one of their biggest concerns in the workplace was not having clear expectations about what they can and can't do or what's accepted. And and so that was, she said that the, the listener actually said, I can think of one time I did it horribly and one time I did it well, you know, really, really well to manage a conflict. So I think that was good. Really clear agreements about policies and procedures. Yeah. And I think that what's interesting is that these very simple things, like clarity, like where are the bumpers on this thing? Where are the parameters for behavior and for expectations? I also thought it was interesting, though, that same woman said, you know, when she did it poorly, it was because she defaulted. She defaulted to the, this is the way I like to handle it. And she failed to see the human side in the person that she was with and realized later, oh, shoot, I wish I had handled that differently. I could have made some concessions. Like she got into conflict because she was so rigid with the policy. And so there, with all of this and with all things in life, there's a sort of a downside and a plus side to that. You know, before we move on, I just want to say one other woman in the focus group, and yeah, they are all women by design, said that when she's confronted and, you know, when she's in conflict, when she starts to shut down, it really does her employer a disservice 
because she's not performing. But I loved that she also said it robs her of the joy of her work, mm-hmm. which is one of the, you know, that's what happens. That's the, you know, Dunbar and Dunbar. Do I have to say it again? We're going to get T-shirts made. <laughs> it robs you of your joy, the joy. It robs you of the relationship. And so, you know, again, what are other strategies? You know, one of them is to decide really how, how deeply you want to engage. Yeah, you have, and that's part of, that's part of your response. And there are pretty accepted strategies on how people deal with conflict. You'll see them phrased a little bit differently, but some people avoid the conflict. Some people just kind of ignore or smooth it out or say it's okay. Don't really pay attention to it, like sweep it under the rug. Some people compromise. They give up something to come to agreement. Some people get into a big, bad fight, right? Yeah. And some people do something called problem solving or accommodating or where you kind of come to an agreement about the solution that's not just you're giving in. Yeah. You're getting what you want through agreement. You're not giving in. And I think the difference between compromising and this kind of problem solving strategy is in compromise, you're just saying, fine, we can do this. We'll do what you want to do this time and what I want to do next time. Or I'll give up a little and you give up a little. But in problem solving, you find something you both want, which I think is the ideal strategy, frankly. I was just going to ask you that. Like, what do you, I saw this in a graph and and if we can, we'll post it in our show notes that there's sort of this, you know, X and Y axis, the one that's going up and down, the vertical is assertiveness. And on the horizontal is cooperativeness and sort of where you are in that, how assertive are you or how cooperative are you kind of dictates where you are on the scale. And, you know, up at the upper right, when you're most cooperative and most assertive, you are collaborating. You are problem solving. It's interesting. You know, I, in in my work as a lawyer, I've done some negotiating of union contracts and it's called interest negotiation. And the word interests is used. And the idea is, is that interest-based negotiation, there it is, sorry, interest-based negotiation. That's good. And the, the idea is that everybody gets what they want. You come to the table and everybody gets what they want. But I just want to say something about these kind of five strategies of conflict. They're all good. They're all good. They all can be really, really effective. If somebody wants to have a conversation with me about Trump, I don't want to have that conversation. There's very few people that I'm just not going to avoid that conversation with because I don't think that we're ever going to come to agreement. And it probably isn't something I care deeply about in our relationship. Yeah, I mean, I think, of course, avoiding having political conversations, especially at work, when there's really nothing to be gained about who you're voting for other than trying to convince somebody of your opinion. You know, you're not going to be doing that at work. But there are other strategies. I think what you were saying was, Every one of these works. Every one of them is good for certain things. And yeah, collaborating. I just don't think people should use one all the time. No, I agree with you. Because yeah, you, maybe there's a situation where you are going to be overly assertive and uncooperative because it's that important to you and it's necessary. I mean, the b- building is on fire. Get out, everybody, now. You know, there's no compromise. And honestly, I will tell you, there are times at work that I have used battling 
as a lawyer, obviously. Like that is not an unfamiliar, it is me versus you and there is a winner and there's a loser. I mean, I will look for compromise. I will problem solve. I will try those things. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's just a bloody battle. Right. And that's because that's part of your work is Mm -hmm. engaging in bloody battle. I would say, you know, the experts also ask us to kind of always be on the lookout for the needs that drive the conflict, like security and well-being and your sort of feeling of belonging or status, which is a big one, right? I also found that there were some real gems in our focus group about what to do around conflict. It's it's funny how the sports analogy just really stuck with me. One of our participants said, don't catch the football. You know, she's like, if someone wants, if someone wants to fight with you, think of it as, as them throwing a ball. You know, you can either grab it and engage in sort of the, the rough and tumble, or you can just let it fall. You can just let it drop. Don't catch it. I also love the other thing that she said. And I think it was about picking your battles. Her phrase was rich, not right. Yeah. Do you want to be rich or do you want to be right? Exactly. Her, and her, I think what she was trying to say is, do I want to be productive in this work or do I want to be right? And of course, we want to be productive in our work. Right. And, you know, you've heard that phrase, right fighting. Yeah. I mean, that's right. You just avoid right fighting in general. Also, another one I thought was a brilliant was like, focus on the here and now. What can we deal with? What can we talk about? What can we solve right now? And and she used the analogy of a hand clap, like what is exactly right here in the clap of your hand? Like what's in between your two hands? And what she what she also said was that I didn't know this, but that's an Alcoholics Anonymous thing. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't either. She said, no, no, I, she said, it's an Alcoholics Anonymous thing. I should know that. I spent a lot of time in Al-Anon. So, but what is between the hand clap? Like what's in between your two hands? That idea of what do we have to solve right now? Yep. And when you figure that out, she also said, right, consider where you will get the most traction. Be calm. She likes to She take- also said, breathe. Yeah. I loved that. I loved that. She actually said, I sit back in my chair and I breathe. Yeah. I love that notion of lean back too, because we've seen on the episode, what language does your body speak to you? Yeah. This little name drop there for one of our former episodes, (laughs) you know, about how body posture and body language can really change what's happening in your brain. And for her leaning back, kind of opening herself up, taking a deep breath, changes how she's going to respond in this situation. And again, this is the same woman who we just referenced earlier, who figured out how her own approach is going to make or break the other person's response. I also loved the one listener who talked about practicing empathy. Yeah. Practicing empathy. She educates herself about the viewpoints of others. Which is phenomenal, like doing research. Like, why? I know. She's so curious. I want to understand your viewpoint. I want to understand the root of this conflict and our ideas. But what I also loved so much that she said, she said, don't compromise yourself. Yeah. Meaning you have to stay true to who you are. That doesn't mean that you don't understand, appreciate, are compassionate, dig deep, but you still are who you are. I loved that. Yeah. And, you know, she is also in HR. So it's so great. We had two HR professionals who were giving us the what for on this. And this whole sort of like understanding the root of the conflict, understanding the uh, the ideas and the ideals of others kind of fed into what someone else mentioned, which is find the pain point, which is, I think, from massage. Such a, 
or body work? I think it's, it's something, it's a very interesting term. And I think it really is so, it's a great metaphor for so many things. I've actually, since that listener focus group, I've used that pain point phrase a couple of times. I think it really articulates you keep talking about it. I just, it's a very cool phrase. No, I love that phrase too. I've used it as well. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm here with another human being. I'm practicing empathy. I'm trying to like control my own emotions, be calm, sit back, take a breath, don't pick up the football and also find their pain point, you know, and try to avoid it. What are the triggers? Uh, you know, being curious, asking questions. And I got the sense, I got the sense, Karina, that she wasn't even trying to avoid the pain point. I think she wanted to know where it was and to deal with it. Oh. I really think that I think that was my take, but maybe we'll have to have her, she'll have to tell us. But, you know, her, her ideas about asking questions, looking for intentions, challenging her own assumptions. I feel like it was her method of finding and addressing the pain point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. And I'm glad, I'm glad you brought us back to that. I would say that my own default when I'm dealing with conflict used to be just defend, defend my position at all Mm -hmm, costs. mm -hmm. And as someone who's relatively well-spoken and has a quick brain, I could just crush my opponent, if you will. And only in, I think, age, maturity, and experience, I'm more inclined now to do what our focus group participants and what I think, Kirsten, you do too, which is... Be calm, be kind, yeah, listen, listen, listen. See wait that. to speak. Mm-hmm. Yes, ask questions, a lot of questions and be curious. And, you know, sometimes it's scary. Conflict for me is scary because I want to just, the way, I think the way I deal with the fear around conflict is just to, to fight. I know that I'm really good at handling differences and managing disagreements my growth area as a human being is how do I sit with the other humans in the room when our ideals are different, when our mm-hmm. values are different, when mm-hmm. I perceive our morals are different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really looking for intentions and taking a deep breath and depersonalizing it and what, you know, we read um, and or we referenced earlier, really trying to find the, those bedrock needs that are driving the other person's approach is my learning. It's my lesson. It's the thing that I feel like I'm going to take away from this episode today. It's interesting you say that that's your growth area, Karina. I do think you handle conflict and disagreement and difference really well and are super open, actually. And I'm kind of reflecting on where my growth area is. And I think it actually is spending a little more time moving from the disagreement to the conclusion, like being willing to engage more deeply in the process, you know, as opposed to just getting to the answer. Because I think in that middle part, there's all of this interesting goodness and ways for us to know each other and ways for us to learn. So I tend to see it more as problem solving as opposed to a process. So my takeaway from this episode is I'm going to engage more deeply in the process of conflict as opposed to just being like, yeah, that's the answer. We're done. The solution. I love it. Yeah. Listeners, yeah. Let, yeah, let us know what your growth area is or if you have any tips or tricks. Also, if you are experiencing a tremendous amount of conflict or disagreements at work, 
there are resources in every community, I think, or at least in a lot of communities who are really helping resolve conflicts, whether it's a dispute resolution or an EAP, there's lots of resources to, to assist in conflict resolution. Yeah. And this, and of course, this episode. And an attorney. There's always the attorney. And, <laughs> and Crean and her consultancy. That's right. Give us a call or just hit rewind and give this episode another <laughs> listen. <laughs> Hey, folks, thank you so much for listening. Keep an eye on those social media pages if you want to participate in one of our future focus groups. As always, like, subscribe, share, give us some love. We are so glad you were here. Kirsten, enjoy your road trip. As always, it's been a pleasure. I was going to say, Karina, it was such a treat to see you. I mean, it was just great to talk to you. I'm so happy we got to do this. And now I'm on the road again. I can't wait to see you when you get home. All right. (laughs) Talk to you soon, friends. Bye, folks. Bye, folks. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 